Hello, and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Hello, and thank you for joining us again. Today, we're going to be talking about nitrogen removal in wastewater. Today, we have joining us Gary Lee Espinoza. Hello, Gary Lee. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. And as always, Sean Rapp is here. Keep us in line. At least I try to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Attempt to keep us in line. Yep. So Gary Lee works in our systems engineering department. And he does a lot of plan takeoffs. He works a lot with customers designing systems. And he's been with the company for, oh my goodness sakes. 23 years. I was going to say, this I think will be it's my over 24th year. Yeah. Wow. Wow. A I long know, time. I know. Wow. This is what the <laughs> way I think of it uh, now. So he is a wealth of knowledge. And so we brought him in today to talk about nitrogen, nitrogen removal. Before we get really into that, like, let's talk a little bit about what exactly nitrogen is. So mm-hmm. can I say something real quick? Yeah, I, I know we've got a webinar about this, and it's it's kind of on the technical end of things. So I, some of our listeners may have watched the webinar in the past. Mm-hmm. I know it's available to everybody as a recorded session, too. But I think this is going to be really good in the fact that it's going to be more of a conversation about nitrogen itself. And it's going to answer a lot of questions, I think, that a lot of people would have going into it that they may not think about or an- get answered during that webinar. So I kind of like the idea of having this podcast episode to talk right. about that. So, yeah. So let's, let's get into it. So in the world of wastewater, mm-hmm. the big three constituents are BOD, TSS and total nitrogen. And, and well, I would say not necessarily total nitrogen, but maybe a component of the nitrogen species. Right. Because there is total nitrogen that we have to treat for, for a lot of systems. And then there is also ammonia, which is part of the nitrogen species. Right. So this, this podcast will be a bit more scientific mm-hmm. in nature. I'll try to keep it uh, layman terms. <laughs> That's the only way I can understand it. <laughs> it's always funny to me because we're used to using these terms all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think in a couple of different podcasts, we talk about BOD and TSS and I'm like, well, we know what it is, but does everybody know what it is? No, they no, they don't. And and as part of my job duties is uh, people come with a particular system. They tell me the limits they have to meet. Mm-hmm. And then they give me, you know, and then if nitrogen's on there, you know, and then when right. they provide me with expected waste strengths for that particular site. Right. One of the number one things that I see is they get that number wrong mm. in total nitrogen coming in from from the way, uh, from the raw raw wastewater right because it's different levels for different types of systems yep and usually total nitrogen in influent is is also measured as TKN which is total kelgel nitrogen and right 
And at that point in raw wastewater, total nitrogen is basically two components, ammonia and organic nitrogen. Right. That's what total nitrogen is in, in wastewater when it first comes in. Right. Uh, there. And so what I often see is they get the numbers wrong because right. the ammonia content or the total nitrogen content mm-hmm. in a residential system coming out of a residential home is different than that, say, coming from a commercial establishment, like, uh, say, a store restroom or a mm-hmm. gas station uh, right. on there. I think you really touched on why we, why, why we think of them as the big three. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about regulations or parameters for a commercial facility to meet, typically you'll see requirements for BOD, TSS, and TN, or total nitrogen limits. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're the three constituents that most states are concerned with. There's typically three And out of those three, usually the two, these two are the Mm -hmm. most in regards to permit limits, discharge permits for Mm -hmm. total nitrogen or the species of it. Mm -hmm. First being ammonia. Mm -hmm. Ammonia is probably by far the number one thing that I often see we need to treat for. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is total nitrogen. Right. And those are two of the big ones there. The other one is maybe a total inorganic nitrogen, but mm-hmm. it's very rare that we right. see that. I only come across yep. that once in a while, but the big mm-hmm. two of the nitrogen world is total nitrogen and ammonia. Right. So let's talk a little bit about why nitrogen is an issue and why is it a concern in your waste stream? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, when you, when you think about it, what are we breathing right now? Right, right. You're breathing about 75% nitrogen, mm-hmm. you know, and the rest of it is oxygen and, and other mm-hmm. gas elements there. So it's kind of funny. Why is nitrogen such a bad thing when it's really primarily what we're breathing, the gas that we're breathing right now? Mm-hmm. The EPA drinking water standard is 10 milligrams per liter of total nitrogen on mm-hmm. there. And the waste world, the EPA for wastewater discharge, they followed suit with that. They basically mm-hmm. said that your wastewater, the nitrogen content has to be equal to the level that's allowable for to be in drinking water there. And that's right. kind of why we're stuck with that. And there's a lot more to it, but at that time, nitrogen got a bad rap. The regulations are put in, and right. we're kind of stuck with them. Right. We're kind of stuck with them now. It's just, just too big of a around. regulatory hurdle. It's the federal right. government to try right. and argue the case that, you know, your wastewater probably didn't really need to be as clean as the drinking water. Right. You know, on there. But we're stuck with it, and it's unfortunate. Because it does add to the cost for for a treatment system, mm-hmm. and so it has a lot of complication. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how exactly you how you treat for nitrogen removal. Well, I think the first thing we probably need to look at is kind of explain the nitrogen cycle, mm-hmm. because that's that's how we 
treat it? How do, how do the nitrates get into the water? Well, it's in the atmosphere, gets affixed to plants. Animals eat plants. We eat animals. And then, boom, we have it, and it's in the form, basically, of, uh, of ammonia. And then, of course, in our waste, it comes out. Now mm-hmm. it's now it's in the water there, but it's in the form of ammonia and organic nitrogen. So from there, we take it and you have to convert ammonia into nitrates. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come in as nitrates, comes in as ammonia, but you have to convert it to nitrates first. And in order to do that, you have to have an aeration process at that point. And that's where PAGMIT filters come in. So ammonia comes in mm-hmm. to the treatment process. Say our PAGMIT filter, it's the ammonia is converted mm-hmm. into nitrite and then into nitrates. And then once it's in its nitrate form, and at that point, that ammonia has been nitrified. Now it's in nitrate form. You have to take it and you have to denitrify it. In order to denitrify it, you have to send it to an environment that has no oxygen in there. Mm-hmm. And so you send it to a tank or, you know, or a, a treatment unit mm-hmm. that is virtually oxygen deficient and what we would call a post-anoxic tank mm-hmm. in there. As the nitrates go in, in order to get rid of to in order to convert that nitrate into nitrogen gas when it comes into the anoxic zone you have to feed it with carbon when there's carbon in there your organic eating bugs they have to have oxygen to survive mm-hmm. and so while they're eating that in order to survive what they do is they take the nitrate molecule mm-hmm. and they strip the o2 molecule right off of that. When they strip the O2 molecule off the nitrate, that releases the nitrogen into, into a gas right. and it's off gassed on there. And so at that point, it's called denitrification. Mm-hmm. Now it's been denitrified at that point. Yes, lots of chemistry. And that's uh, that's and basically biology. how you get a right. Yeah. It's there's little moving factors, but that's the short version <laughs> of it. Ammonia nitrates, and then denitrification off gases into a nitrogen gas. And he's serious when he says that's the short version because we have hour-long presentations dedicated to (laughs) a full understanding of the nitrogen denitrification process. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about why packed bed filters work so well for nitrogen reduction? They work really well because packed filters are, one, a great treatment unit to, one, get rid of the organics mm-hmm. within the water. Here's the secret, and now we're kind of getting into the munitions right. of it. Nitrifiers that convert the ammonia into nitrates, mm-hmm. they are the weaklings of the wastewater group. They don't like it when it's, they don't like it when it's cold. They're not very aggressive. Right. In the wastewater spectrum, they don't like chemical upsets. And here's the thing with the pack bed filters, when the organics come in, 
Pipe filters do a great job of getting rid of that because your organic bugs, mm-hmm. they are the most aggressive and they consume most of the available oxygen mm-hmm. in that process there. So when there's a high carbon, you cannot expect good nitrification with high organics right. in that process. So pipe filters get rid of the organics, which is usually up in the topper spectrum, uh, up in the upper spectrum of the pack bed filter. Mm-hmm. And then once that's gotten rid of there and it goes down to the lower section, usually the, uh, I think it's the bottom 12 inches. Mm-hmm. Most of the organics are gone and the rest of the available oxygen is there for the nitrifiers. And at that point they convert that to, from ammonia to uh, nitrates. Right there and all this works unsubmerged on there and uh, with pack bed filters because it's unsubmerged there is ample oxygen coming into the system right on there so what are some of the things that can seriously affect the ability to nitrify or denitrify well for for nitrification the things that will prohibit nitrification one is organics we got to get rid of organics and so in some cases where the organic waste strength might be super high there might have to be some pre-treatment prior to the back bed filter to reduce that down to a a much uh, better level so high organics is one Mm -hmm. another one is alkalinity Mm -hmm. in order to nitrify in a pack bed filter really in any system you have to have enough alkalinity to buffer the nitrification process. Mm-hmm. When you convert ammonia to nitrate, it consumes 7.14 parts per million so specific. of alkalinity. What's that? I said so specific. Uh, <laughs> it's 24 years I that's know. been drilled in my I mind uh, on there. But uh, yeah, 7.14 parts of uh, alkalinity for every part of ammonia that you are nitrifying. So that consumes quite a bit right. on there. But so in doing that, because of that process, if you use up all your alkalinity, you can see your pH drop. So that leads to the, the other thing. The third thing is pH. Right. So you have to have sufficient alkalinity because if you don't, then your pH will drop. And nitrifiers, they work most effectively mm-hmm. between the 7 to 8 pH range. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you start dropping below 7, nitrification starts to drop off mm-hmm. there. The other fourth thing is temperature. Right. Temperature is another thing. They don't like it when it's cold. We need to have yeah. an environment that is 40 degrees or higher. Right. Otherwise, your nitrifiers tend to start getting sluggish and inactive right. uh, on there. Then I'd say the other thing is chemical upsets. Mm-hmm. Nitrifiers don't like anything that's not supposed to be in there. Bleaches, <laughs> anything yeah. else like in, in there. So... There are a lot of things that have to be aware of, that you have to be aware of when you're designing for a nitrogen reducing system. And so it's alkalinity, pH, uh, high organics, and temperature. 
Mm-hmm. And we probably see these a lot more in commercial systems than we would in residential systems, right? Or, do, or is, are residential systems just as prone to this, or are we just seeing this mostly in commercial systems? Uh, you mean in regards to night fires being a problem? Yeah, why we why we would have a system specified to be a nitrogen reducing system versus a non nitrogen reducing system? Uh, actually, we see those in some in some residential systems there, and you'll see some on site on-lot treatment packages that are set up for nitrogen reduction. However, what I find is on the individual on-lot treatment system, the nitrogen limits are probably are usually not as strict as it would be, say, for a municipal system or a large flow commercial system. Usually, take for instance, in in Rhode Island, their limit is 19 milligrams per liter of total nitrogen out on the discharge, which is perfectly for a single family unit pack bed filter is capable of of doing because of the nitrogen, uh, the nitrogen load in a single family residence is is a lot lower because of the dilutional sources of laundry, showers, dishwashing, stuff like that. Versus that, say, just a straight office bathroom where there was just toilets and sinks and urinals. Right, right. There are multiple states, though, that have TN limits Mm -hmm. on the residential side that require you you meet them. But what we find is they're not as strict. Right. And if we were required to try and, uh, you know, if on-site systems were required to meet at 10, it would require a much more advanced process to get it down mm-hmm. uh, to that level and really becomes really unaffordable well, you, for the individual yeah. lot owner. You then have to have the discussion about what is your actual influence strength, mm-hmm. what's affecting it, what's it, – it's a, it's a difficult process because it's usually a percent reduction as opposed to getting to a specific number. So if you have a a high total nitrogen coming in, you know, say for some reason you've got, I don't know, 150 coming in, which would be high on a residential Mm -hmm. system, right? If you reduce that to 30, you're doing pretty good. Right. You wouldn't meet the limit, but no. That limits based on the idea that you have a much lower total nitrogen influence. It, right. Mm-hmm. Single family homes are probably about total nitrogen is probably around 65 yeah. milligrams yeah. per liter. Yeah. Now you take a look at a school and that number is probably anywhere between 100 to mm-hmm. 125 yep. milligrams per liter yep. on there. And because you have such a small, it's a small waste number on the on lot system there that we can get pretty good reduction mm-hmm. just with what you have there. Right. And then remember, in order to denitrify, we have to have an anoxic zone or a place where there is no oxygen, but a high carbon source. Mm-hmm. And on a single family home, how that's, how that's done is that is recirculated back to, back to the septic tank where there is one high carbon mm-hmm. And then to it's an aerobic process, so there right. is no oxygen, free oxygen in that environment, or the primary there. chamber, so, or the primary chamber. Mm-hmm. So it's a much simpler system, and thus they don't have to meet 
such a strict limit and the limit that is that they're required to meet is capable within the realms of what they have. Right. But then if you start going to a 10 milligrams per liter on a single family residence, that particular setup's not going to do it. You now have to add additional processes uh-huh. on there. Yeah. So you might, after the treatment system, have an additional tank for post-anoxic. And then again, you're having a carbon feed. Because what does the packed filter do? The treatment system, it's getting rid of the organics. And that's the thing. And it's, it's, that's kind of irony in it all. We remove all our organics before we go to denitrification just to go back and start adding more carbon back in. On right. right. All right. Anything else you think we need the listeners to know about nitrogen? Don't assume that everything is residential strength waste. That's a good on one. There. Yeah, that is the that is the biggest thing as a designer that I've ran into is people, you know, oh, it's a it's a cafeteria restaurant uh, right. type thing. So what's waste strength? And then I get, you know, I'll get waste strengths that are similar to what's coming out of single family home. And that's not the case Mm-mm. on there. And I would also say probably understand that it's not going to be a cheap thing. It's it's treating total nitrogen or even ammonia can get expensive because then you also have chemical feed systems in there and it also adds to complication. So be aware of that. I think a lot of engineers go in thinking it's a simple process, Mm -hmm. but it really is a multi-stage process. And currently how we do it is basically a three-stage process. Mm -hmm. On the commercial waste side. On the commercial waste side there. Mm -hmm. Which we're removing organics, we're nitrifying, then we send it to an anoxic zone, add carbon, we release that. However, you know, and and then a second stage, and there might be places where you don't need that second stage, but the second stage is usually just for polishing the residual carbon you added, you just added in Mm -hmm. before you went out to discharge on there. So Get, make sure your waste strengths are correct and be realistic in regards to the complexity and the cost. Great. All right. Good deal. So That's great information. Yeah, it was great information. So if you want any more information on total nitrogen, nitrogen reduction, we've got information on our website. You can always hit www.arenco.com and find information on all of our topics. We thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Gary Lee, for being here and talking with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. We want to thank you again for joining us today. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.arenco.com. Until next time, have a great day.